0: We're going to do a study on Mormonism, starting today, only on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. everybody, and welcome to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is October the 3rd. I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. Of course, on Wednesdays, we are discussing cultural issues and apologetics. Last week, I had mentioned that I was considering changing what we do on Wednesdays to being a second study on the Book of Romans, but uh, we have decided against that. So for now, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing and doing the apologetics and cultural issues on Wednesdays. I do want to remind you that next week is our question and answer podcast. So if you have any questions regarding uh, Christian living or, um, you know, God, theology, the Bible, Jesus, you know, whatever, uh, send your questions over to me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. And of course, you know, I try to take two, three, maybe four questions on uh, in our Q&A sessions and anything that I can't answer Uh, on the podcast that I don't have time to answer on the podcast I do try to answer through email so if you have any questions go ahead and send those over to me I'd love to have them I've already got a question or two that uh, that I'll be using next week so hopefully that will be a blessing to you guys I do want to remind you that tomorrow we won't be having our study in Galatians because there was not church service this past Sunday night, so uh, there was no sermon given on Galatians. That's going to be this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday, I'm giving uh, the next installment in our series on Galatians. I'm going to be talking about Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and that will be posted next Thursday, so uh, keep keep your eye open for that, and just so you guys all know, Matt didn't put a podcast up yesterday because it was his wife's birthday. So happy birthday to Matt's wife, and we hope to be hearing more from Matt soon. Speaking of which, I believe he's going to be uh, considering which Old Testament book to be starting a study on, so keep your eyes open for that as well. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson. I wanted to do something a little bit different. You know, we, we've done we've done this before with uh, with Islam, and a lot of people seemed to really enjoy the study we did on the religion of Islam. However, while uh, while it might not get as much attention on the evening news as Islam gets, Mormonism is also worth taking a look at. Uh, most people don't realize it, but there are Mormons in almost every major city now. And uh, if they were to come to your door today, would you know what they believe? Would you know how to respond to them? Let me ask you this. Would you close your door on them, or would you open your mind to them? Mormonism has increased dramatically in size over the years. Between 1880 and 1978, it grew at a rate of approximately right around 40% 40% per decade. So every 10 years it would grow about 40%. Between 1978 and 1990, however, uh and you know obviously this is more recent, it grew more than 70% and in fact at one point the Mormon Church was averaging around 200,000 conversions to Mormonism. Per year, and today, you know, it's it still continues to grow at a tremendous rate. Mormons are very well known for recruiting people between the ages of 19 and 21 to serve on missions. Uh, in fact, every two weeks, approximately close to 100 new Mormon missionaries are sent out. They're sent abroad, they're sent to inner cities, they're sent to your neighborhood, they're sent to my neighborhood, they're sent overseas, they're very recognizable as they always travel in twos. Uh they're usually very well dressed. They uh the guys wear, you know, a, a nice collar shirt, usually short sleeved, um with a tie, and they commonly ride bicycles as their means of transportation. However, despite uh these numbers, which I was just giving you, which reflect, you know, just Huge growth and uh, and their growing presence. Most people don't understand Mormonism, and they have no idea what Mormons believe. Uh, there was recently a study conducted, you know, by a survey which revealed that more than half of all Christians have no idea what Mormonism is all about. Are they Christian? Well, you know, they certainly claim to be, the Mormons claim to be Christian. Uh, Are they a cult? You know, there are some Christians who claim that they're a cult. But in order to answer these questions, I think we have to take a look at what they believe. And we'll get there before we conclude this series. After after next week, next week we're doing the Q&A session, but the week after, that's what we're going to be talking about. So before we finish, before we finish with this whole series, you should have a very good idea of what the Mormons believe. And, you know, just like we did with Islam, we'll talk about some ways that you can reach out to Mormons, some ways that you can respond to their arguments. So, today let's just talk about the history of Mormonism? Where did it come from? How did it get started? Who started it? You know, these are all very important questions that you'll need to have answered in order to understand and reach out to Mormons. And if you want a really detailed history, a good history of it from, uh, from a Christian worldview, I would very strongly recommend picking up Dr. Walter Martin's book called Kingdom of the Cults. In fact, that's a book that every Christian should have in their library, regardless of whether you want to study Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever. That is a book that you need in your collection. But uh, most people who know anything about Mormonism, they know that it was started by Joseph Smith. He was born in 1805 in Vermont, and his father, uh, Joseph Smith Sr., was a mystic. And as a mystic, he would—he um, was kind of hung up on digging for buried treasure. And in fact, from what I understand, he was, uh, he was reportedly on a lifelong quest to find the legendary treasure of Captain Kidd. And I don't know what that treasure is supposed to have in it, but that's what his father's life goal was, to find this treasure. In fact, his father was also known as a counterfeiter. But... Okay, just to be clear, uh, the fact that his father was a swindler and completely crooked shouldn't be counted against Joseph Smith Jr. The reason I'm bringing this up is just to give you an idea of the type of environment in which Joseph Smith Jr. was raised. So in 1820, at the age of 15, Joseph Smith Jr. allegedly received a vision in which both God the Father and God the Son came to him in human form revealing to him that they were unhappy with the Christian church and unhappy with the world, and uh, they informed him that he had been chosen as the prophet to restore true Christianity to the world. But for some reason or another, however, Joseph Smith Jr. didn't get right to work restoring the church. Instead, he continued to search for the treasure of Captain Kidd with his father and his brother. He did this for years after receiving this vision. In fact, uh, Smith himself reports having used these magical stones and divining rods to attempt to locate the treasure. That's what he told people, even after allegedly receiving this vision. However, later on in his life, he went on to deny that he had ever dug for treasure. So, uh, in fact, he went on record as saying that it was somebody else named Hosiah Stoll, whom he had sought out and hired to, uh, to look for some treasure. However, Joseph Smith's own mother wrote that Stoll quote, came for Joseph on account of having heard that he possessed certain keys by which he could discern things invisible to the natural eye. Unquote. Uh, And further, according to his mother's own testimony, Joseph Smith Jr. did indeed take part in these treasure-digging expeditions, claiming to have supernatural powers which helped him in finding these hidden treasures. His father had an interview published in Historical Magazine in May of 1870, and also stated that Joseph Smith Jr. had used these magical rocks to try to find treasures in his youth. So, which is true. Joseph Smith Jr.'s testimony or his parents' testimony about him. But, you know, his parents weren't the only one whose testimonies contradicted the testimony of Joseph Smith. Reverend Dr. John Clark wrote a book in 1842 titled Gleanings in the Way, in which he wrote, quote, Joe used to be their guide uh, for treasure digging, that is, putting into a hat a peculiar stone he had through which he looked to decide where they should begin to dig. Unquote. And you know this was someone who knew Joseph Smith, he, he knew his family, he had witnessed their attempts to dig for treasures by using these magic stones to find the treasures, and uh, he had recorded it in his own writings. But perhaps the most significant evidence against Joseph Smith's claim that he never dug for, for treasure is the fact that he was found guilty in a United States court of law of money digging in 1826. In its decision, the New York court wrote that Joseph Smith, quote, had a certain stone, which he had occasionally looked at to determine where treasures in the bowels of the earth were unquote. So why did Joseph Smith even attempt to deny the fact that he had dug for treasure by using methods that sorcerers would use? Uh, because he knew that if he admitted it, if he admitted that he had done these things, nobody would believe him about much of anything because nobody believes that you can look into a rock and find out where to, to dig for treasure. And further, if you're digging for treasure, uh, it, was a, it was a crime because they were digging on public property. So In essence, Joseph Smith Jr. lied. Uh, Anyway, so even after having this vision where, you know, God the Father and God the Son come to him in human form, he continued digging for treasure and money. But then in 1823, Smith claimed that an angel named Moroni had come to his bedside a total of three times to commission him and encourage him to be the prophet to restore true Christianity. And Moroni was the son of Mormon, the angel after which the Book of Mormon is named. So, in the early editions of Smith's book called uh, Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith attributed these visions to Moroni, but when he revised it later, in in later editions, Smith changed the name of the angelic being to Nephi, N-E-P-H-I who is a completely different character in the Book of Mormon and in fact, there is a book called Nephi in the Book of Mormon, and Mormon editors later on, further down the road, would change these errors, you know years later, so now, when you read the Book of Mormon, the angel is referred to only as Moroni, but the fact remains that Smith himself got the name of these angels, or of this one angel, completely turned around in his own revisions of his writings. Now, how does that happen? Hmm. So, in 1827, Smith claims to have received these golden plates, which allegedly had this mysterious Egyptian writing on them that Smith would spend years translating, and upon which he claims to have written the the Book of Mormon. So then in 1830, the Book of Mormon was published and Joseph Smith called a conference of 30 men in the Pennsylvania and New York areas. And it was here that what they returned, uh, the Church of Christ, which would later come to be known as the Church of Latter-day Saints, was initiated. One of the men who was commissioned by Joseph Smith at this uh, conference conference was a man by the name of Sidney Rigdon, who found himself eventually excommunicated from the, the Church of Latter-day Saints or the Mormon Church. As a result of the fallout, after a sermon he gave on Christians being salt uh, based on you know Matthew's verses in, um, in his gospel on Christians being salt. Rigdon knew Joseph Smith very well and he would eventually go on to give a very factually based insider's evaluation of Joseph Smith, which to this day is something that we can uh, We can definitely use to understand um you know Joseph Smith and his corruption, but anyway, as a result, people came to be aware of Joseph Smith and they knew what he was up to in the area that he was in, so Smith took the the next logical step he relocated to Ohio. People there wouldn't necessarily be as aware of the hoaxes that Joseph Smith was known for uh for pulling off. So, in Kirtland, Ohio, Smith claims to have received a total of one hundred and thirty five direct revelations from God which uh, which led him to help build their location and One of these revelations, which he received in Kirtland, Ohio, was to institute the practice of polygamy. And of course, that's something that Mormons are still notorious for. Of course, this would filter down through the entire Mormon church to the point that, you know, it was not uncommon for a Mormon man to have several wives, just for a common Mormon man to have several wives. And this continued until the United States federal government threatened to confiscate uh, all Mormon property, and they threatened to dissolve the religion of Mormonism entirely if they didn't stop uh, instituting polygamy. So anyway, in 1844, uh, Joseph Smith was assassinated by a mob that stormed a jail in Carthage, Illinois that Smith was being held in while he awaited trial for the role he had played in, uh, quote unquote, silencing some literary critics of Mormonism. So at this point, that was when Brigham Young took over the chief position in the Mormon Church and led Mormons out west, where they would eventually settle in the state of Utah. And of course, Even to this day, Utah remains basically the center of Mormonism. They have temples everywhere. That's where the headquarters are. But this is how it all got started and the purpose of this lesson is, is just to educate you about the history of Mormonism itself and give you some background information on Joseph Smith, since he's the man who started it all. And one final thing worth taking note of is that in 1867, a man by the name of Pomeroy Tucker wrote a book called The Origin, Rise, and Progress of Mormonism. This was in 1867. And in this book, uh, the author collected several sworn statements by neighbors and acquaintances of Joseph Smith. They all testified that Joseph Smith was known for, quote, his habits of exaggeration and untruthfulness by reason of his extravagancies of statement. His word was received with the least confidence by those who knew him best, unquote. So the fact is, you guys, there are no documented statements in existence in which reliable and informed contemporaries of Smith, people who were around when Joseph Smith was around, there's nobody who made a single statement in favor of either Smith himself or of Mormonism. And that is all stuff that is completely relevant to the study of Mormonism. Take this information and remember what you can because this is good stuff to know if a Mormon were to come to your door. So anyway, that's it for today's lesson. In our next lesson, we're going to go over the beliefs of the Mormon Church which will be followed by a lesson the the following week on how to reach Mormons with the real gospel but again next week we'll be doing a question and answer session and then we'll resume the following week with the beliefs of the Mormon Church but let's go ahead and end this with a word of prayer. Father, we are broken vessels in a broken world and Without you, Lord, we are powerless to do anything. So we just ask, Lord, that you would equip us and give us the tools and the knowledge necessary to go out into this world and make a difference, to make our light shine for you, Lord, to direct people to you and to the true gospel. We love you, Lord, and we want to glorify you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. It is a blessing and an honor to have you here. I hope this has been a blessing to you as well. Again, we are a listener-supported ministry. If you support what we're doing and would like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, click on the support box, and you can make a donation to us through PayPal or through mail by check, however you prefer. But if the Lord has led you to support us, then you do have that option. But thank you again for listening today. I will see you guys next week. God bless you, and keep growing closer to Jesus.